0: Today we speak to Dr. Patricia Solis about the mission of Youth Mappers. Dr. Solis shares a bit about the 327 Youth Mappers chapters across 67 countries. She also shares some interesting projects and capacity building efforts across the globe. Tune in and be inspired. Hi, and welcome to Through the Human Geography Lens, a podcast brought to you by the Worldwide Human Geography Data Working Group, or WWHGD. I'm Terry Ryan.
1: And I'm Eric Rasmussen.
0: And today we are in the studio with Dr. Patricia Solis, Associate Research Professor at the School for Geographical Sciences and Urban Planning at Arizona State University. Dr. Solis is also the director and co-finder of Youth Mappers, which we look forward to learning more about today. Patricia, it's great to have you on our show. Thank you for having me. Could you tell us a little bit about the mission
2: of Youth Mappers? Well, we like to say we don't just create maps, we create mappers. Wonderful. And this is really a response that the world's university student community has created. Um, you know, we, say, we like to say that we were the co-founders um, and I guess you can say we were designers of, a, of, a, of an idea, um, but the energy and the power of this movement is really coming from university students all around the world who see themselves, I believe, as not just people um, with skills and gaining some skills, but uh, who want to contribute to the world. They see themselves as global citizens. And that's really the, the heart and soul of everything that we do to try to support them.
1: That is a remarkable thing to have accomplished. And in reading a little bit about them getting ready for this conversation, we saw that the the list of members is huge. Um, And that often is driven by somebody's passion. Can you talk a little bit about how it got started? Somebody came up with this idea, yeah?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, we estimate there are about 5,000, conservatively, 5,000 students, but they're organized in 327 chapters, as we call them, on university campuses in 67 countries around the world. Most of these countries on that list are going to be in countries that are served by USAID, the Agency for International Development. Mm -hmm. And that's really where the spark for um, putting this together came from. Um, A longtime friendship that I've had with Carrie Stokes, who is the director of the Geo Center and the founder of the Geo Center within USAID. Mm You know, a long time relationship working with students around the world. Uh, We have mutual friends at uh, George Washington University and West Virginia University. And and we were really just enamored by um, what was going on in the space of open mapping and open street map in particular. Um, You may remember that in 2015 that there was a major disaster in Kathmandu. Mm-hmm. We had mm-hmm. uh, it was an earthquake there, and we had been working behind the scenes with our students there at George Washington University. At you know, with with our students, I was at Texas Tech at the time, and GeoCenter and the humanitarian um, community um, had been trying to work through how to you know use these open tools for responding ahead of disasters. And um, there's a group mm-hmm. that's called the Humanitarian OpenStreetMap Team, and you know trying to engage informally with us. There's a lot of students who have been doing this work um, just ad hoc, but they were really not very visible and they were not motivated and activated. And so uh, that same year, um, you know, we had earlier that year, right before that disaster happened, we sort of put this concept paper together um, for what it would look like if we could really um, organize students to be that force and give them some of the leadership in the response. And Kathmandu Living Labs was another one of the groups uh, that had students on the ground doing some of this work. And so when that disaster hit, the map was already there. It was open. It was available for all the humanitarian organizations responding to be able to use in real time. And students had a part in putting that together. So we were able to then launch that fall uh, with a little celebration on Capitol Hill and some support from USAID, who is a, a, one of our main sponsors and a co-founder as well. Uh, to, to get this launched, we started with just our three organizations. It was Texas Tech, West Virginia University, and George Washington University at the time, together with the Geo Center. Then we just started inviting our friends and our colleagues, and they were inviting their friends and their colleagues. The students started spreading. And uh, basically at a rate of about one new university per week, joining us in one hundred weeks, we had one hundred universities. It was really sparked and inspired a movement when you give an opportunity for students to um, engage directly and use their skills for meaningful meaningful purposes in the world. Wow, that is really fascinating. So
0: I know that we have student listeners. If um, we did have a student listener and they do not have a chapter at their university, could they start one?
2: Absolutely. Um, I think the first thing to do is just to go check at our website. It's youthmappers.org and you can navigate to where the chapters are. There's a map and you can see if your university already has a student organization set up. Um, Students, it's kind of a social um, design, right? You know, students like to get together and support each other. And that way, when students graduate, other students can take the leadership roles. And we really support them to do that. So sometimes that means that there might be an existing student organization like a club or um, sometimes it's the GTU club or some other kind of mapping club in the U.S. or some other group. They do not have to be geographers. Um, Sometimes we have people in disaster planning or computer science or other kinds of fields, Uh, but we just ask that there's one chapter per university so everyone can get together. And then um, if there isn't a group already, they can just affiliate, and if not, we can support students to create a a bylaws, to create their organizational structure, and to really understand some of those leadership parts about how do you build kinds of institutional mechanisms to be able to uh, work together around um, this kind of work around mapping, geography, connecting with others.
1: That's excellent. Um, And good to know that it's relatively straightforward and you've got so much experience in putting that together. Now, once they have these chapters, um, do they usually work on something on their own? or do they affiliate with some other university? What what kind of projects do they get going?
2: Well, it's free to join. We don't obviously charge any membership dues. All of our activities in the network are to support the individual chapters. So they're free to do whatever they want to do. We do offer a lot of guidance. Um, Depending on where they're starting, if they don't have a lot of experience, we have what we call the Youth Mappers Academy, Mm. which takes them through 12 different series of how to map, what does the community of Mm. OpenStreetMap look like, who are some of the actors in the industry, so they can work their way through and, and really understand what does it mean to be a quality mapper, both technically and then how do you be a part of that community. So that's the first thing that we usually um, recommend. We also recommend that students look to try to map their own campuses in many (laughs) parts of the world uh, that where we work, especially there's a lot of places on the map that are not very well mapped. Um, So, uh, you know, a good place to start is to look where, you know, map your own community, uh, map the buildings, map the roads. Uh, We can put tasks up specifically for the students on a on a tool called Teach OSM. And um, just for them, other people can join in too if they want to, but you know, just to set up a way for them to map, maybe they have a field site that they're already doing research and they just want to use some of that data as well. So we'll we'll try to help them get started. Um, for students who might have already been doing this, we also link them up to other campaigns that are going on around the world, especially through the humanitarian world. Um, USAID might also have some campaigns, but we use a, a different tool that is, um, uh, really, a professional tool used by the humanitarian community that we can jump on, uh, and that those are projects around the world they can map at a distance too. Um, so, for example, you know, in the news now we see the uh, you know the hurricanes that have gone through the Caribbean, two one right after each other, and a humanitarian OpenStreetMap team has actually set up a project to help um, the Dominican Republic, the local community there. Uh, they didn't have a lot of great um, open data on buildings and roads in some places that were hit, hit hard by by the event, and so you can go on and um, if you've had some of the basic training, you can go and and help fill in the details, sort of crowdsource those details from afar. Um, that's used by the American Red Cross, uh, the International Red Cross. Uh, and other humanitarian organizations to to actually understand what is the response there post event. Mm. We did the same thing for Puerto Rico when um, Hurricane Maria hit, and we had we activated students from Texas, from Ghana, from Bangladesh, all helping in real time map for Puerto Rico. Wow. We had a chapter in Puerto Rico, but they didn't have electricity, so we okay. were okay. Uh, you know trying to communicate through text with them and and uh, get some information and about where some of the um, places that we should map. And really, if you look at the OpenStreetMap view of Puerto Rico now, there's a lot of them that have happened in response by student mappers, students all over the world helping out their peers uh, in Puerto Rico. What
0: an amazing concept. And I want to go to Youth Mappers Academy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it does sound good, doesn't it?
0: Yes, it sounds wonderful. So I know that you guys also do um, some capacity building. Could you give us some examples of some of those efforts?
2: That's right. We realized that you know, you know, for the most part, um, the participation is 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 digital. Um, you know, students tend to connect with each other, and we try to promote that they, you know, they're sort of an informal group, so they they can reach out to each other if they want to work on things together. Um, you know, for example uh, Panama and Costa Rica, they all started communicating together and mapping the border there. And then they eventually got together in person and did sort of field trips, one over at one university, one at the other university. So there's all sorts of things that, that we try to help support for. Um, we provided a lot of validation for that so that people, you know, when you work on crowdsourcing of, of data, uh, it's the wiki concept, right? So Mm -hmm. that, um, Mm -hmm. One person might work through it and then another uh, group comes in and just make sure that that's done right or finds errors and, and corrects things so we provide that sort of capacity um, for um, just ad hoc kinds of activities that our chapters might want to do. Um, the other thing that the other program that we have other than our validation team is for a leadership program. And a second, every other year we will do the research program so students are especially if they're doing their master's or or, um, undergraduate thesis or even a PhD, they would like to use some of the data and create some of the data for their own work. And so we have a fellowship program that we have a competition all around the world and we bring them together uh, around their research and help them um, really understand how to use and analyze that data with um, some of our experts. And um, that has just brought out so many interesting Uses of that same data, not just building the data, but building the mappers and building the analysis of that data. And then the leadership uh, fellows program we haven't been able to do because of the pandemic for the last couple of years. So we're catching up this year. We Mm -hmm. have selected 66 students from about 27 countries. I'd like to say that are we're all going to descend on Jamaica, um, invited by our local chapter there. I just actually was speaking with our friends there. Um, We're going to do sort of like a miniature conference um, and, you know, a massive workshop to get our leaders up to speed around um, the different regions and where we'll teach them um, mapping for climate change, um, advancing leadership, and also promoting equity and inclusion through the mapping and engagement process with their own communities and with each other. So it'll be a really great time in January um, when we're all learning and we get so inspired by them. And, and then they get to network with each other in person as well. I think for many of them there, it's just a life-changing opportunity for me as well, just to be able to, you know, feel like you're a part of something bigger than yourself and what others are doing. And that means what
1: that you can yeah, do this too. Yeah. And, and Jamaica in January, what's not to love? Um, Now, <laughs> I know, I was going to say, should we
0: um, come in and, and give a worldwide human geography data working group overview yeah, yeah. in person? It'll be fabulous. It'll be fantastic. <laughs> and, and
1: with that remarkable capacity building that you're doing at, at a an international youth level, does it ever reach out to the nations themselves? Because as you mentioned, many of the places that are affiliated um, as institutions are located in places that are kind of challenged. Um can they reach up? Can they reach out? Do you have interest from the local governments?
2: Absolutely. I there's just too many examples to tell you about from the students and their own. You know, uh, offering just a little bit of orientation and spark and inspiration and connection. They've taken on things like um, food security for women in Ghana, um,
0: <laughs> malaria
2: <laughs> prevention in Mozambique, um, working with um, child nutrition uh challenges in bangladesh um in the philippines with disasters as well i mean i just can name so many different ways that students are actually mapping locally with remote support Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. do things for their own local communities they don't do it as a part of a class right this is the design again of, of, of having like a club type environment and a group to support where you might have some skills and other skills but all of them are really committed to doing this for a purpose and so whether they're um, joining on some campaign that is organized by USAID, um, mm-hmm. because we have, you know, a major disaster happening, or their own local um, guided uh, engagement with municipalities, with um, the USAID missions and country as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And we try mm-hmm. to try to make those connections work. And, you know, on a global scale, I could say that they just really amazed us with what they've been able to do. We have had uh, one of our early um, fellow, leadership fellow students in Nigeria was named one of Africa's top 30 under 30 for tech uh. and started his own spatial entrepreneur organization. Um, we've had uh, one of our leaders from Bangladesh. She was selected by the United Nations as a spokeswoman for women in disaster. Mm. Um, they just go on to really connect and use what you know, what they're learning, and and the leverage the network for really fabulous, amazing things that we never would have been predicted from the beginning. Wow, it's this is just absolutely
0: outstanding, and I, I know we talked a, a little bit before the show that today's youth really are very interested in global goodness and working together and and solving some of the the greatest challenges of our lifetime. So this is extremely inspiring. Uh, we talked a lot about. Data. This data is all openly available, correct?
2: That's right. Uh, we encourage that all of the data that gets created that is um, shareable, right? Um, sometimes people might have to collect personally identifiable information for their own research mm-hmm. studies and protect that, but for the most part, there's a location component, and we we have that all up on OpenStreetMap.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, that is a platform, as you know, which uh, any you know has millions of users really um, that are some of them are students some of them are not students then we consider ourselves as part of one community in that community of users and you can see where youth mappers are are mapping on that through a site called activity.youthmappers.org and you can kind of see all of the data that is created over the 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 students that have registered their usernames with us this is probably not comprehensive because you know it's it's optional to give us your identification but we've been tracking where some of those have been and you know if you look at the numbers um you know throughout all time we've created more than almost 16 million buildings <laughs> um over 500,000 kilometers of roads and you know 80,000 new tags on what is this building what is this road what is the name of this um and that's just you know, ones that we have been able to keep track of and not some of the spin-off mm-hmm. projects. So those are all available through OpenStreetMap. Um, and then we also have tried to amplify the voices and the stories of, of students around the world. And another open um, uh, series that we are really super excited to share very soon is an open source book that um, we edited with chapters written by students youth mappers about what their research has been and what is the impact has it has it been and that's going to be available um as an open access book um by Springer they have a sustainable development goals series so we mapped all of these to the goals and um again they're written through the voices of the students or, or the recent alumni right um where youth mappers are active and and just sort of reflecting on the variety every single goal has something that youth popers somewhere in the world has been engaged with their community to address through open spatial data
1: oh what a spectacular success over these years what a what a wonderful thing
2: we did also release a documentary recently if you look for us on youtube there is a documentary about how this works, and it features one of our projects in Sierra Leone, where we have been using AI-supported tools because mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. you, people think that the world has been mapped, and <laughs> it really hasn't. You know, there's always something to do, right? And uh, you know, there's some really great tools that exist to help speed that up and and really understand where things are. And so we've worked with our Sierra Leone chapters. Um, sort of the collection of all the university chapters in Sierra Leone have really been activated around this to do street view data and then trying to lift off where on that street view can we see utility poles so we can map where are people living right now because we can see the buildings where are the utility poles from those street views and where are people who need to have access to electricity and that's a project with our own ASU team and the Ministry of Energy and Environment in Sierra Leone. So there's a really nice story to be told of one example of what students are doing around the world. And, you know, you kind of get a flavor of what's possible and what's possible when we connect. You know, I know your, your listeners are human geography enthusiasts. And mm-hmm. I guess I, I, I think the data is where we come together. We come together through the map. I think we can see ourselves and we see each other through the map. I feel sure. like it's one of those connecting technologies if we use it that way. And there's a lot of disparaging of the new technologies. <laughs> there's ethics that we have to be careful of, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, for example, we stopped mapping in Ukraine when um, there's a danger to people by, by making them visible. So we take a lot of care. We have an ethical, you know, sort of ethical guidelines that we teach them in the academy. But I, I think that the real potential is is by understanding this planet and that we're all on this planet together, Um you know, tracing around borders and tracing where we are um, just makes this visible and I think can really enhance the connections when we do it with purpose and do it with solidarity. This is thrilling.
1: And we're going to make sure that we link to that documentary in our show notes that will be attached to this broadcast. Um, uh, That's wonderful to hear.
2: Well, thank you for joining us today, Patricia. This has been a great discussion. Thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, you know, all your listeners thinking about it. And you know if they're students, please look and try to join us. If you're a faculty person or a teacher, introduce this idea to your students. And, and for all of us, I think that you know, one of the things that I like to leave us with is to think about how to be a good ancestor, mm-hmm. make those pathways for um, those who come after you. And I think geography is one way that we can really use our skills and our knowledge to do that.
0: Wonderful. Well, please join us next week for another conversation on human geography and human security on Through the Human Geography Lens. If you're interested in learning more about human geography and the WWHGD, check us out at www.hgd.org, where you can find more than 5,000 cataloged human geography datasets and access presentations and recordings from more than 50 data-driven events. I'm Terry Ryan.
1: And I'm Eric Rasmussen.
0: Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time. We really appreciate your support. If you enjoyed this show, please take a moment to leave us a review and rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast platform. And we hope you'll share the podcast with your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening.